It's Sam Swakowski here from the Fremantle Dockers, and you are listening to the Footy Mailbag Podcast with Damo and Clarkie. Hello and welcome to the footy mailbag. The team picker has opened and we all have looked at the buyers and the structure of the season, players, positions, prices, and now it's time to get into the analysis. But first, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Damo and joining me as he usually does is Clarky. That's right, bitches. Christmas couldn't kill me and neither can Supercoach. We're back. We're and here joining- again. And joining us to chat today is YouTube Supercoach Powerhouse, DR from Supercoach with DR. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, blokes. And uh, I think you're very kind here about the, the Supercoach Powerhouse. Uh, you blokes uh, are the number one in my book. So uh, yeah, great to be here, blokes, and uh, very excited to talk some Supercoach. So today we're going to look exclusively at five teams, Carlton, Hawthorne, Brisbane, Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs. But before we get into talking about the teams, we should let listeners know that all buy rounds will be best 18 and the season is going to start at round one. So opening round will only count for money generation. The players in the opening eight, in the eight opening round teams will rise in value after round two and break evens and all that will be affected. But You'll still be able to change and alter your team before the actual round one when all the 18 teams play. Seems like a fair solution, doesn't it? Look, it was never going to be perfect. And I think that's what people kind of fail to realize when you react emotionally first, where you go, oh, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Or maybe I disagree with that. And and that's fine. It's good. We love the diversity in people's opinions. And that's that's what's great about Supercoach. But I think there was never going to be a perfect solution. I think the Supercoach team have done a really good job finding a middle ground that kind of, if anything, actually makes this year more interesting because it's not going to be your everyday Supercoach season just based on these changes. It's just another curveball for everyone, isn't it, DR? Absolutely. And you certainly don't envy the position of Al and, and Timmy Mitchell there because you can't please everyone, as Clarkie just said. So, uh, yeah, making the, the best out of a bad situation, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, hats off to all the boys for, for what they're doing. So how this is going to work is we aren't only going to go by position, but we're also going to go by price category, um, premiums, mid-prices and cheapies. And like I said at the beginning, we're only looking at Carlton, Hawthorne, Brisbane, Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs. So we'll start in defence, and I think this podcast would go off the airwaves if we didn't start with Nick Dacos. Well, 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 Nick Dacos. Well, we'd be referring to the Brownlow medalist, wouldn't we, of 2023 for getting injured uh, towards the latter stage of the season. He's a captain option. I think he's a must-have at some stage. When playing down back last year, took 54 kick-ins. No surprise, played on 100% of the time. Uh, look, the, the issue for me is that uh, he's coming up early by. He's got Finn McGuinness in round four. Can we afford not to start him? I'm considering it at this stage. What do you reckon, Blokes? Are you willing to fade Nick Dacos? I think you want him at some stage. And his consistency with his scoring 
was was kind of kind of means I don't think his price is going to bottom out as much as people are thinking. I know he's got Finn McGuinness at some stage, but having that early in the season is actually better than having that later in the season because then his price is going to rise and you possibly won't be able to get him after his round 15 or round five buy. So I think he's someone that if you fade him, you're going to need a plan on how to get him back in. And after round five, has you, have you made enough money elsewhere to be able to bring him in? And after round 15, his price is probably going to be back up around 650K. So you're going to have to move some mountains in your, in your team just to bring him back in. So I think you're better off starting him just and just copping the early buy and the early tag. I think for me, this year, at least with my first December draft, where we only really know like what we know this year. <laughs> so we're basing it off everything that we've seen throughout 2023. But I'm kind of thinking that as a defensive option, I wouldn't be looking at Nick Dejos to be my D1 just because I am subscribing to Lek Dog's rules of we don't pick players over 550 as a defender or a forward because there's just not enough value. But I think as a midfield option, I could see him easily being a top five midfielder like he is young he's actually recovered from his injury enough to play in a grand final um sorry to bring it up there but um <laughs> you know i think the the sky's the limit for nick dacos he he loves getting the football right and that's what we're saying all 2023 which is like one of the main things that you want your super coach players to do to score he loves just touching the football and I don't think that's going to go away. I don't think a tag is necessarily going to be a make or break on whether you pick him in. I think you probably just cop that as as a midfielder pick for me. Um, it's hard to look past him, right? Because if you don't get him now, when are you going to get him? And you have to kind of hope for the worst to get him, which doesn't always plan out as we, we know. James Sicily is probably the biggest rival to him for people starting teams. If it's not Nick Dacos that people start with, James Sicily appears to be the guy that people are moving on to. How much are Hawthorne going to improve to mean that there's less reliance on him in the back line? Or is he going to have a similar output that to what he had in 2023 um, in 2024? Yeah, I don't think you're really selecting him as a value pick. You're selecting him as one of those pillars down back. I think the issue with not having James Sisley is he's one of those blokes, and there's only a few in the competition that can really, really hurt you as a non-owner. He's got a massive ceiling. Look back to last year, you know, 130, couple of 134s, 136, 166, couple of 170s. Yeah, he had three low scores, 58, 63, 76. He can get tagged at times, but... I think he's just such a really safe selection. We know that he got suspended for four matches, but I was there with Steve from SDS Supercoach and super unlucky there. So I don't think that we've got that worry like we've had in other years where he's going to do just some dickhead type act. I think he's got his head on his shoulders a lot more now. He's a captain of the club. So I really like his role. I like his buy. I love his ceiling. And I think he's always a nice VC option on a sneaky week. So uh, I'm all in at this stage on uh, Mr. James Sicily. Yeah, I think I can I can agree with all of those reasons for picking James Sicily. Um, probably my biggest questions would be, are Hawthorne going to be looking to make some changes into the way they attack their games and to just really fine-tune 
their game to sort of push them up a bit higher. Because I think we can all kind of agree, based on how they played in 2023, Hawthorne kind of underachieved of what their potential would have been with that particular game style. So I'm worried that, you know, they, they picked up Massimo D'Ambrosio, who um, is, a, you know, a young, talented player. Maybe there's a, an a role or a position for him to sort of slot in there and, and how does that sort of affect it? Because James Sisley is, he's going to be good and he's going to probably stay around that sort of mark, but you're spending a lot of capital on him to sort of bring him in. Is is that what we're going to want? Is there someone better who's more consistent? Um, would you rather have a Nick Dacos? Is probably the only questions that you can really ask. And these are all what ifs, right? Like it's not to say anything about him regressing. Um, but I think there's probably, I will probably want to see a little bit more about what Hawthorne are going to do in 24 before I sort of lock him away as a number one. And one of the guys that could lead to a change in role for James Sicily is Josh Weddle, who That's came it. out of the, who, who, who came out of the blocks out of nowhere and played 17 games in his first season, um, hit above 90 a couple of times. Is he one of these mid prices that, could come from the clouds and become a premium defensive option um, at his price of 373k. Because if you're selecting him at 373k, you're probably wanting him to break out because it's probably a little too expensive to be a stepping stone, but too cheap to be a premium option. Yeah, look, he's one of my favourite players to watch in the comp. You know, he takes a game on, almost makes it up as he goes, I think, this bloke. But it is a really awkward price and it's, you know, the same with the Dan Brozo. The, the issue for me is there's so many mouths to feed down back. So if you, you quickly take a look, Sicily, Blank, Frost as those keys, then you've got Jath, Hardwick, Scrimshaw, Impey, Weddle, Amon, Dan Brozio himself. That's 10 just there. So... Where do these blokes actually fit in? I don't know exactly what their role is going to be. Weddle could be that wing type, could be blazing off halfback. I'm really not too sure. And even with someone like a D'Ambrosio, I know they brought him across from Essendon. Was that with some promise of job security possibly coming off? But I'm just not too sure because there's so many blokes that could fit into that back six, those attacking type defenders. So I'm a little bit wary and I'd only be paying up that money on a bloke that I know has got a really decent, decent role. And I'm just not sure what that role is going to be at this stage with lots of those Hawthorne defenders. I would say this is very akin to a team that we're not talking about this week, but um, I think you guys can probably agree to the Essendon defensive options. And we'll talk about them in another episode, but there's, there's three or, you know, at least two guys there who we know can score well, but they can't both do it at the same time. Because it, it all kind of it impacts and like you said, DR, there's a bit of there's gotta be a share somewhere. There's only a certain amount of points that are going around. So it's not endless on the the amount and cap. So I don't know if at three hundred K Weddle um or even Ambrosio at a, a cheaper price is someone who I'd be willing to take a punt on, just given some of the other options that we'll talk about as well. There's a couple of teams that we still haven't talked about yet. No Daniel Rich at Brisbane anymore, DR. We'll bring your Lions into into this. So people have crowned Kitty and Coleman as the next man up. And at 398k, he's in that mid-price of territory, but his final series kind of proved what he could produce given that role. Absolutely. And there's a lot of talk that he's going to be the next 
Daniel Rich. You know, it's like the Rich takeover. If you look in the last three years, so Rich's kicking count has been 141-145, and last year down to 34. So what happened? Where'd all those kick-ins go? So back in 2022, Kitty took the second most kick-ins. So we were thinking, here he comes. It's going to be his time to take over. But it was actually McKenna that had 94 last year compared to Kitty's 41. So that may be a little bit of a myth there that he's definitely going to be the one to take over full-time from Daniel Rich. The other thing with Kitty on these kick-ins as well, only played on 66% of the time, which is no good. You know, like a Nick Dacos played on 100% of the time from his kick-ins. So that's something to be wary about. But we talked about that final series. He's got talent to burn. I think that you've got players like McKenna that could attack off halfback using their speed. But Kitty's the one, you want the ball in his hands. He's going to kill teams with his kicking skills, not necessarily his speed. So for me, I think he could be a solid selection. He'll have to do a fair bit to be competing with the top six to eight averaging defenders because I think there's a lot of blokes there with a fair ceiling. So for me, I think he's one to keep on the watch list. If he comes out and goes nuts in round zero, then definitely one we can consider. So uh, far from a lock, but uh, never say never with Kitty, mate. He's one that really benefits from us being able to have a look at him in opening round and being able to change our team if he doesn't quite have the role. Isn't that right, Clarkie? Yeah. Um, Coleman is in, and Damon, you're over this in our circles, known as the ultimate pod. Uh, and I, I completely agree with that sentiment just based on his performance where you have games where you're like, holy crap, what the who's, who's this guy? And then other games where he will just go missing and yeah i think we need to really focus in if you if you want to pick him by all means look i'm not going to stop you i'm here to support you in whatever decision you feel like you need to make however that being said at 398,000 just just have a look like let it cook a little bit before you before you jump on right and and this is something that we talk about all through the season um you know, knowing when to jump on and jump off guys is really important. And I think starting that high with someone who has had a lot of fluctuation, like just just give him a look, let him cook and, and let Brisbane sort of ease into it and let them show you what the game plan is um, instead of assuming and going, well, he can do that. Let's actually wait and see if he will do that. A guy who started last season very slow was... Bailey Dale at the Western Bulldogs. Everyone thought that he yeah. was going to completely blow the roof off Marvel Stadium for the Western Bulldogs, but only averaged 90.8 in the end. Um, at 507K, he's at a nice starting price if you're Clarkie or Leckdog. Um, but <laughs> listen here. Is, 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 has he gone backwards to then go forwards in 2024 or? Is he, or is, is is this his role now? Is is he going to be one of those guys that has to compete again with another stacked backline with lots of runners everywhere? Linda, listen. <laughs> listen, Linda. Bailey Dale ruined my season. <laughs> I I am look, I am not a perfect man, listeners. You know this. I'm a beautiful man, but I'm not a perfect man. Bailey Dale ruined my season because he started off this 2023 the worst. And I had I had some decisions to make. And I got rid of him. And then he decided to come good. And by that point, who I had replaced him with had decided to go bad. 
And I single-handedly blame him with it. Um, <laughs> he's nicely priced. He has the potential. I don't know if I trust the Bulldogs, guys. I don't know, DR, if you have any strong feelings about the Western Bulldogs, but there's only like a handful of names I probably trust from the Doggies and none of them are defenders. You just don't know what you're going to get from Bevo week to week. You know, what role are these blokes going to be playing? And uh, we'll, we'll get to blokes like Jack McCray when we get to the forwards. But uh, crazy Bevo, he always gives you some concerns, doesn't he? But uh, look, with, with Dale, just very quickly, if you can get back to his best, I think there's a little bit of value there. I know he's a, a burn man, Clarky. I'm probably not going to go near him this year, but his kicking numbers, unfortunately, are declining a little bit. He's gone last three years, 134, 124, then a 116. Play on percentage is only 92% uh, in 2023, which is down 5% in the last couple of years. So seems like those numbers are declining a little bit. And uh, I think I'd much prefer to just pay up 100K more and go with one of these really safe defenders. So probably a no for me at this stage. I'm going to mention three names, and I want you guys to react to all three all, all, all at once. So Nick Newman and Adam Saad are both around the same price at Carlton, but there's a bloke by the name of Zach Williams coming back. How much will Zach Williams affect what Saad and Newman do? And do you pick the cheaper one of the three just because it's probably the lowest risk? Yeah, look, I think Williams at the price, unfortunately, in a way, just picks himself. Uh, look, have plans for him because who knows if he can even get through the preseason. But uh, look, durability, it's always going to be concerned. But unlike Yo, you're saving a fair bit of cash and that just lessens the risk for me. Look, had 29 kick-ins in the first six weeks in 2022. Uh, I think that, he may affect both Saad and Newman to a degree. I'm not an expert when it comes to the Carlton boys, but I would much rather just go with the cheaper option here, being Zach Williams, and uh, most likely fade the other two blokes. I'm not saying don't look at them whatsoever. Take a look into them. But uh, for me, I think Williams is a pretty, pretty easy choice. Uh, what do you reckon, Clark? Are you locking him in yourself at this stage, bud? I think... It, it's hard because it's almost apples and oranges for me because you're picking them for different reasons. Um, I think there's a there's an argument to be made. I'm not I'm not a Carlton man, uh, but you know, for me, if Zach Williams comes in, it could actually be better for Saad and Newman in terms of what it frees them up to do. I think Saad probably didn't feel like he was doing all those things that make him great. Like he was, he still had a really good season, but I think finishing at 89 from 22 games at 500,000, you'd be wanting to pick him with the upside of maybe he could push to like a 95, you know, in that, in that kind of space there. But with Zach Williams, you just want the 150 K, right? Like, you know, that's, you want the cash generation from what he can produce at 216,000, Early buy is a bit concerning as well, but he doesn't pose any more or less risk than any of the rookie options that we have in the defensive line. So I think he's someone that you need to keep an eye on if he's named, see what kind of role that although all those fun things, I don't think, I think Newman and Saad would be two options that you'd be looking at as I need a pillar. Which one of these guys am I, am I sort of going to keep? 
we'll move on to the midfield line in just a moment. Nick Caulfield at the Western Bulldogs, 123k. He'll be popular if selected. And Bodie Ryan at Hawthorne, 117k, was taken in the most recent draft. He was singled out by AFL Ratings Pete as one of the standouts at training in December. Uh, that's training in December. Um, but he averaged 112 super coach in the Sandful under 18s. So if he can get his game going and get a debut, then he'll be someone that we need to keep an eye on. In the midfield, Western Bulldogs, Marcus Bontempelli is the most expensive midfielder at 720, almost 100, 725k. Is it too much to spend on a M1? Yes. Next question. <laughs> Just like that. Sorry, no, sorry, dear. You <laughs> no, look, I, I agree, mate. Look, there's there's only two things I hate about this selection. One, obvious, being the price. And the other thing, he's had some pre-season surgery as well. So given those two things... I just don't think that you can start him, you know. Look, he's a perma-captain option. Look, last year he went below 100 once, you know. The bloke's ceiling is off the charts. Champion data absolutely love him. But, yeah, due to his starting price, I just don't think that you can do it. But, again, one of those blokes that when you're coming up in a league match and you see your opponent's got him, you think, oh, damn, this uh, may be a tough week to get up. But, uh I think you're right there, there, mate. The price just puts me off too much, as much as I love the man. Damo, dear, I don't know if you guys sort of feel like we do We do the dance every year with uh, one Marcus Bondempelli, where we go, he is the, the guy, and he is very expensive. So how do you plan your team to bring him in? How do you know when that dip is going to come? Does the dip come? And you spend your if you don't start him, you spend your whole season going, oh crap! I've got to I've got to try and get him. I'll move. All right, if it's like one of those slide puzzles with the empty slot, and you go, all right, move this piece here, and this one goes up to the corner, and now I've got a gap in the middle, but I need the one that's on the bottom, and you're trying to figure it out to get him in, <laughs> or do you just go, no, nah, I I can't plan around this. This is too expensive. He has to have an absolute set of stinkers, which is very unbont and pelly like. But yeah, it, it, under a hundred once last year, yeah. which was in round three. That that's a thing with lot with lots of these plays. That's what we're we're hoping for and relying on. And for most most plays in the comp, it happens where you just have yeah, a bad run. You know, even if it's for three four weeks. But with the bond, you know, his bad runs are one tens, one twenty type scores. This <laughs> yeah. is the thing with the great man. So. It, it, it's a conundrum. It's a real conundrum because he's someone that you definitely want, but getting there is going to be no easy task. So um, not that I'd ever, ever wish this, but it may be a, a fact of if he gets injured for a week as an injury affected score, then he could jump on. We don't want that, but no, yeah, I, I can't see an easy way to, to get to him, mate. I'm at the other end. I'm starting him. <laughs> oh, I want to hear this. Here we go. I like it. Well, I'm, I am I was in the camp of he's way too expensive, but the ruck line a few years ago, we, we spent 1.5K on Gorn and Grundy and, and, then they both, again. And, and then they both got injured and then, and, and, and then everyone else in the ruck line was, was, was getting in, injured and we're still wanting to spend 700K in the ruck line and it's not, and the ruck line is no longer set, set and forget anymore. 
But I think Marcus Bontempelli is a set and forget in the midfield as 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 as, as, as he comes, because in twenty three in twenty three games twenty two above ninety, and yeah he had preseason surgery, but he was actually in main training going full tilt in that final week before Christmas before they broke off for, for Christmas. He's going to be there in all the drills from January. And that's when you really need to take notice of who is and isn't there because lots of players will come back and they'll go, oh, actually, you might need a knee cleanup. You might need a shoulder cleanup. You you you, you need to be in the gym all December. You know, Some players don't get a full December because they've come back and the physios have gone, we want you like this for, for January. January is when they get these players going because that – they've got the preseason games and they've got the season, but they're breaking off for three, four weeks for Christmas where they're probably going to eat all of their mum's turkey for Christmas. So that, so how they are before Christmas break, for me, it's good to take note of, but it's, for me, it's mostly irrelevant. You raised some good points. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think it, it's a matter of how you're going to structure your team. If that If that extra 30K is the difference between, you know, one player or another it's it kind of does matter if you're just picking guys who are under seven i think that's it the the seven price tag is always a tough one right it's it's a will it's a will you won't you and you're right no matter which one you pick that's the important (laughs) yeah it just doesn't feel good (laughs) and i suppose another thing damo you said like in previous you spent up on the rucks maybe we're spending a little bit less now forward lines this year which could afford you some extra dough to upgrade yeah, M1 to Bonton Pelly. So, uh, yeah, it, it, some good points that you raise. So, uh, on the watch list again after that chat, mate. Thank you very much. And I also think that Bonton Pelly sits in the category of he's too consistent for that price tag to drop too far. He might be another one where his price tag only goes as low as like 640, 650. And then who are you moving to, to, to get him? You don't want to be starting a... We'll talk about him a bit later, but a a, a giant Newcomb and then trading a giant Newcomb because that's sideways. Unless it really does benefit your team, you don't usually sideways. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. Two guys at your team, DR, Josh Dunkley and Lockie Neal. They're about 30K apart in their starting price. Josh Dunkley averaged 115. Lockie Neal averaged 110. As the year went on, Lockie Neal seemed like the better selection, but early, early days, Josh Dunkley was eclipsing him with no trouble. He is on fire, on fire. Such a great addition to the club as well, mate. But he was he was solid last year, but did finish off slowly. Now, I don't know if this is just coincidence, but when Ashy went down, Dunkley had scores of 133, but then 77, 62, 99, and 106 for an average of 95.4, and that was without Ashcroft. With Ashy, the average was actually 121.4. In saying this, though, he was a little bit sore right at the time when Ashy went down, playing through a little bit of injury, but this bloke can go on an absolute mad tear. His five highest scores actually came in a six-week run, and that was from rounds 8 to 14, 149, 153, 146, 148, 137, so... This is a bloke that can actually hurt you. Obviously, only available as a midfielder. But one thing I always say each year is, and lots of people almost stay away from those blokes that have lost that mid-forward status and are only midfielders. We've got a heap of those blokes this year. Always consider these blokes. Just because they've lost their DPP, 
doesn't mean they're no longer available options as, as mid only. Take a good look at him, but uh, possibly the buy, yeah, may scare him away from a starting side. But uh, love him, hate his buy, may even look to jump on after round 12. Uh, so that's my thoughts on Dunkling. Lockie Neal, look, very up and down year last year, uh, super coach wise. In saying that, wasn't any slouch, won a Brownlow medal, but <laughs> uh, pretty much, I think, again, an upgrade after his second buy. Um, pretty much a big no for me as a starting pick, mate. I'm looking to get that next generation midfield um, picks like, and won't suggest discuss them now, sorry, but your Brayshaws, uh, Butters, LDU type. So I think that uh, Neil's probably passed as a starting pick, but if he presents good value at some stage, then, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take a look at him, mate. Just quietly, DR, I think the Dockers are pretty good at drafting dual Brownlow medalists. They first get Fife and then they draft Lockie Neal and... Unfortunately, now Lockie Neal's tearing it up for <laughs> Brisbane, but they're good. they're good at drafting them, aren't they, mate? Andy B next, mate, for a double, I reckon. <laughs> we'll go with another couple of players next. Adam Chera and Sam Walsh at Carlton. Um, again, about 30K separating them. Adam Chera, 605K. Sam Walsh, 576K. Out of the two, you probably prefer Sam Walsh, but again, there's that early buyer to tackle. Sam Walsh is 100% on my watch list. Uh, Injury-affected year. He's very, very well-priced for what we know Sam Walsh can do. And Carlton are only getting better. Adam Chera benefited a lot from the lack of Sam Walsh. And that's because Chera is no slouch in his own right. So maybe that changes. Maybe there's a bit more of a job share going on at Carlton. But like you said, early buy means... You probably wait and see, but I wouldn't be upset if I saw anyone with a Sam Walsh in their starting side. Uh, definitely something that I considered myself. Well, he's priced at one hundred five, so I think I don't think there's too many people that would uh, raise an eyebrow if he finished with a one fifteen, yeah. pushing a one twenty type average. So I think there's actually a fair bit of value there. You know, he's a running machine, as you said last year. Didn't have much for preseason, so full preseason. I think this bloke could be absolutely anything. And Chera had a bit of a breakout season last year. If you take out his first five games where he had a bit of a slow start, he actually averages 114. So possibly a bit of meat on the bone there. But if you're picking one, I think it's hard to go past Sam Walsh. And uh, yeah, again, as you said, Clarky, wouldn't begrudge anyone that's looking to start him in their sides, even though they've got a bit of a, a tough buy. Sorry, Damo. I know talking about Adam Chera is not very fun to you. <laughs> The Dockers got Jai Amos out of it, so I'm okay. Nothing to mess with that. Yeah, yeah. Ha- have we passed Patrick Cripps? Is Patrick Cripps sitting in that Lockie Neal basket now? Yeah, probably. I just scroll past him, to be quite honest. Yeah. Great Pretty player. Scroll past. Great player. No no time to pick him. Yeah, Unless and he just quickly, starts going gangers. He, he goes on runs. So he seems like he's so up and down, like you go on a mad run for five weeks. You think, yes, the great man's back. Then all of a sudden, it's like he, he flicks a switch and does nothing for the next five weeks after that. So, uh, yeah, someone that I just, yeah, don't don't really take a look at these days. Jai Newcomb and Will Day. We're going to go in another pair here. Um, they both finished less than a point away from each other in terms of year average. And uh, five, uh, 549K for Jai Newcomb and five. 44k for Will Day. Hawthorne haven't really had a dominant midfielder since since Sammy Mitchell left, which is a long time ago now. Um, who's going to step up? 
Yeah. I agree with the uh, and do, And do you start any of these guys? Will Day, I'd probably be more inclined to just because I like him better as a player. <laughs> but I couldn't really split the difference in terms of which one of these guys it's going to be, right? We struggle, I think, to understand exactly if Hawthorne's trajectory is as upward. As, as I was saying earlier, I think there were some games you'd watch them and you go, oh, I reckon they were probably in with a chance with this one, you know, if a few different things went their way and then other ones where you went, these guys should be relegated to whatever is below Tasmania. Somewhere in the, put them in somewhere in the Tasman. So it's it's hard to split with these ones, but I don't think I'd be looking at them in my starting side unless I was extremely pressed for cash. It it does feel a bit of a, a Hail Mary um in that sort of mid range pricing. Yeah, I think Damo touched on it before. At, at that price, you, you probably want them to be keepers. You, you're not paying that much as a stepping stone. At, at worst, you're looking for the, one of these blokes to be your M8. And look, with Newcomb, he's a tackling beast. But, you know, you're probably relying on just that natural progression, him as a player, Hawthorne as a side. And look, Will Day, agree with you, Clark. He loved watching him as a player. He always has a crack, but... Uh, I probably think he needs another year of development in the midfield. You know, he really transitioned last year. He had a really breakout year. I think he won their BNF for memory as well. But I think he probably needs another year in there just to really develop his craft, get stronger through the body. And then maybe in another couple of years could be a really solid selection, but just probably not for now. We, we need to see a little bit more, I think. Those with a no dickhead policy won't pick this guy, but in terms of footballing and supercoach ability, is Jordan Degoe any chance of being a top 8 to 12 midfielder in the comp, or is he too up and down with his role and, and position? Vibes are off. Put him in the bin. Yep. I, I, I don't like it, mate. Look, the thing with Degoe is last year his price peaked at 544k, so he was never out of reach, you know, very up and down. You know, we were talking about the bond before. He seems to be always out of reach if you don't have him. So with someone like Dugowie, it just seems like there'll be that stage during the season. If you are keen on him, will you be able to jump on? And uh, you look, didn't even go 100 plus in the last five weeks of, of 2023. So no, for me, maybe someone you can jump on as your, even your, your M9 if you're lucky enough, I think. Do you want a Collingwood midfielder? Just pick Nick Dacos. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, even Josh Dacos vibes Simple. are mu- vibes are much better. <laughs> just a couple of names that I just want a yes or no for. Seeing these guys in a few teams, um, Jasper Fletcher is he going to take the next step for Brisbane? And James Harms coming across from Melbourne is there a role for him with no Bailey Smith around? Just two t- two names I hadn't really thought of as being super coach relevant, but. I've seen them in a few teams, and I just want a yes or no. I'm going no on Fletcher. You know, you can save an extra 100K and go your Curtin Sanders type. So no for me, but a young gun. Uh, Harms, he interests me a little bit more. It, it's all about the price, but what role does he play? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say maybe, definitely on the watch list. I'm, I'm not saying yes, and I'm not saying no at this stage. Clark is a Melbourne man. Might have a bit more on that, but uh, probably no one maybe at this stage for me. Probably a double no from me. Not not because of any ability, but just because of role. Harms is he's played as a lockdown mid. I don't I don't know what the dog's going to do with him. 
they've already got enough good midfielders that they're not playing in the mid, so I don't, it'd probably avoid. But keep an eye on him if you've got no other option. Just quickly run off some cheapies here for the midfield. Nick Watson at Hawthorne, Riley Sanders, Western Bulldogs, Henry Hustwaite at Hawthorne, and then Edward Allen and Harry Dimitia both at Collingwood. Moving to the ruck line, Tim English. You couldn't spend 724 on Bond, but can you spend 715 on Tim English? I won't. Uh, it, it, it's funny because I was invited on a couple of potties in the last year, and the question was, who's one player that you're absolutely going to start next year? And I said Tim English every time. But as soon as the picker opens, you look at his price, reality sets in, you go, geez. It's really going to be tough to start this bloke, but it's scary again because his first six games of last year, 134, 139, 139, 145, 139, 131, you know, similar to Bond, you know, only three sub tons for the year. And that was an 88, 90 and a 99. So he's got such a high floor, such a massive ceiling. Uh, you know, durability has always been a little bit of a concern in previous years, but last year managed to play every game. I think it was kick 17 goals, which was a bonus. You know, 50% of his games, he got 20 plus possessions. So he plays like an extra midfielder at times. So he's an absolute gun, absolute beast. But when you've got someone like a Brody Grundy there, is it worth paying that much more for a Tim English when you can use those funds to upgrade to an ultra premium somewhere else? Probably not for me. And uh, if I was to choose one to start English or Bond, I'm starting Bont over English, but yeah, probably not for me. It's all about the price. Yeah, I think there's just better value. Um, just to piggyback on what you're saying, dear, there's there's much better value in the ruck line than Tim English, even though there's all all chance he'll be at least top three at worst, and probably expected finish would be number one. Right after this year, he's shown that even when the dogs aren't doing great. You know who is doing good? Tim English. So <laughs> I think yeah, seven hundred and fifteen is a lot. But who knows? Look at your buy, like buy structures might mean that hey, this is it's worth just paying the entry fee to get the the points right. Yeah, I'm I'm leaving Tim English. I can't spend that much on a on, on a Ruckman anymore, anymore, especially considering the last two years they've barely been able to stay on the park, but. If we're looking at one to leave out of Bont and English in terms of who's going to drop that dud score and be available to pick up cheaper later on, I think Tim English is the one you leave on the shelf to try and nab later, only because he can have that dud game. He can have that injury-affected score where his price could completely plummet. And so, yeah, if you're picking out of Bont and English in terms of a 700k-plus player, Bont is the one to go with. But... English should still remain on your radar. In fact, it should remain on everyone's radar just in case he could pick up DPP or he could bottom out to a price that you just can't ignore and then you can upgrade someone that you've already got, especially if you're starting a Ivan Soldo or a Tristan Sherry or something like that. Oh, that those are spicy. That's a spicy double. <laughs> starting, an, <laughs> starting an Ivan Soldo. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Mate, I've seen it. I've seen a few teams with those two guys in, and it's scary. But people are doing it. Oscar McInerney, Darcy Cameron, probably sit in a similar category in solid, but they're not your top echelon of ruckman. They're not going to finish in the top five. But 
I mean, Oscar McInerney finished in the top five for total points last season, so his average doesn't really paint the, the, paint the, the whole picture. Yeah, look, oh, I love Big O. One of the nicest blokes I've met that plays for Brisbane. You know, super professional, trains hard. Loves one of those, you know, grabs out of the ruck with the 40-metre handball type thing. Leads to a few turnovers here and there. But I just don't see any upside where he can get to the average that your Gorn's you know, English top echelon types are going to get to. And just quickly on Darcy Cameron, uh, you know, we, we have to pay, I wouldn't say a premium price, but we're not getting him anywhere near what we had to pay for him last year to start. Lost that DPP status. So, uh, yeah, given those two factors, not interested for me. Uh, Clarky, any, anything you want to add on those two boys? No, mate? you, you wrapped it up nicely for me. I like them both as players. Both just don't have that X factor and Darcy Cameron without DPP actually lowers his value. Ned Reeves is probably the number one ruck at Hawthorne. Probably Next. not super coach relevant <laughs> though. And I've highlighted Zane Zakostelski who was drafted by Brisbane. He's ruck d- defense dual position, but Ooh. his running capacity means he could literally play anywhere and I can't see a spot for him early in the Brisbane side, but because of his flexibility, do you see him getting a chance at some point, DR? Oh, look, it's... If I was to be honest, at this stage, I'd probably say no. It's a bloody tough team to break into. We've got some fine depth there, lots of blokes ready to actually make their move into the side. So... I'd say it's a bit of a long shot at this stage, but absolutely never say never. We know that we we give opportunities to blokes who deserve it. So if he's in form, if he's playing well, who knows? But uh, I certainly wouldn't be having him in my plans. And I think quickly, when we're looking at so many buys this year, even though we could be loop-worthy, given his DPP status, I don't know if it's worth even starting a loop this year. But that's a discussion for another day. Two words for you, my friends. Basketball background. Ooh, there we go. I am pro Zach Zakaletsky, purely based on that. I also actually one of the few draft profiles I read, Zane gave me real good vibes. Well, <laughs> I list, hope he gets a game, the young man. List, list, listed as a key defender by um by Draft Central. Um played as a ruckman in the Waffle Colts grand final. Um, can run all day, can jump all day, can play at either end of the ground, can play as a big-bodied mid, can play as a winger, can play as a, anyone. He's he's quite he's like 198 centimeters or something like or something like that. But he could literally be anything. He could be another unicorn. He could be another Luke Jackson type. Oh, this is good to hear because I didn't know much about the bloke to be honest. So this is music to my ears, Damo. Absolute music to my ears. <laughs> Imagine having a, uh, imagine having Big O and and Big Zano running around together, and then you and uh, and then you put them up against Big Darcy and and the, and the Unicorn Luke, Luke Jackson. It'd, it'd almost be like equal, equal forces coming coming together to go up Absolutely. against each other. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll jump into the forward line. Jack McRae is almost in every forward line I've seen. Um, He averaged 99.9 in 2023, 558k. Is he locked into both of your forward lines? I can't see a world where I don't consider Jack McRae. 
He's just one of those handful of Western Bulldogs players who I'm like, absolute ability, absolute ceiling, has the potential, just needs Bevo to not fuck around. (laughs) Sorry for the salty language, but (laughs) call it what it is. (laughs) I I couldn't agree more. And when you take a look at even just say the top 10 midfielders, when you open Supercoach, start at most expensive price. The bloke is an absolute standout and I would be gobsmacked if he didn't finish top three minimum, and I think that's being generous. Big gobsmacked. Former super coach royalty, you know. The issue is, you know, is it is it him slowing down? Is it him getting bevoed? You know, his CBAs were all over the place, sometimes non-existent last year. Uh, but we haven't really spoken about it. But with Baz going down, and that's unfortunate for the, for the young man, but does this provide more opportunity for someone like McRae? I don't think that he's going to regress. I think that at worst he'll sort of stay where he's at. And if not, I think he, he can actually improve on on where he's at. He's a proud man. And I think you want to hit back hard. So uh, I can't see a world where I don't start Jack McRae this year. He's going to be popular and there's a good reason for him to be popular. My biggest question over him is with Bailey Smith going down, they've brought in Riley Sanders through the draft brought in James Harms, does he return to the center bounces or does he continue on the wing where he was kind of up and down with his scoring? And in the forward line, I suppose, given what we've got in the forward line to choose from, what's going to be a good average at the end of the year in the forward line that we actually aim for? So is if... If if it decides that ninety is a premium in the in the forward line at the end of the year and the and the top ranked forwards average around ninety, is paying this much for Jack McRae now too expensive if that's what our pass mark is for a premium in the forward line? Because you look at who we have available, there's not many people above ninety-three and ninety-two average that we can select that you can pick with confidence who are going to back up their season. It's a good point. It's, I just, when I look at the other, look, to be honest, I like to start with no forwards. I just like to make real no forward line this year. Yeah. Let's just not go there. But as I said before, when you, when you look at the other names there, no one fills me with confidence. Maybe a Sam Flanders I'm pretty keen on. Apart from that, I, I can't see anyone else that I'd be more comfortable with than Jack McRae. Just personal opinion, maybe. But I just think he's, he's a pretty safe pick in the forward line. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to have to backtrack because I've just seen that it's 558, so he doesn't fit the rule. Less than 550. <laughs> oh, is that right? No. But, um, I thought you were talking about the time. I thought, am I back a couple of hours here or something? No. But yeah. So, so yeah, I, I do agree. I think it's, it's hard to pass up that kind of value when the look at the the lack of DPP options this year, I think we, we were gifted a bit last year and we probably said that for a couple of years in a row. We went, oh, we've got, you know, Josh Dunkley this year. Like there's there's all these really cool options that aren't really forwards. And this year we're definitely stuck a bit more with, oh, no, no, these guys are like true half forwards, like forward types, which is actually more interesting, I think, for me, because it means I can pick forwards that I really like instead of having to worry about, mm, is this person going to get CBAs? Is this person going to play a bit on the wing as well? It's like, no, no, no. Finally, I can start, and probably one of the next people on your list, Damo, I can start Charlie Kerno and sing 
sing the song, <laughs> sing the the Lech, <laughs> Lech Dogs Charlie Kerno song that's been stuck in my head since finals, and he was posting it around Twitter. So I think we need, we need these guys who, are, even if McRae regresses, right, and even if say Charlie Kerno regresses to a ninth year in eighty nine, I probably wouldn't call that a fail. Like it's not great, it's not ideal, but I'd probably say that's that's kind of the mark that we'd be hitting for the upper echelon, really, before any kind of positional changes. With Charlie Kerno, when I was going through his numbers, so we'll talk about him next, 545k in the forward line. He averaged 97.6. And one thing I noticed when going through his numbers was his low scores were really low, but his high scores were really, really high. Like he'd have 141 week and then a 47 the next week. He'd have, he'd go 130 and then he'd go 69. Or, you know, like he was one of those guys, he literally scored like a key forward. Like that's probably the best way to put it. He he scored like a key forward. You could tell when he kicked a bag of goals. Um, it is. It's it's a life of a key forward. <laughs> and and because of the options that we have this year, we might have to pick a key forward that 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 has that sort of up and down week. But we've got to target them at the right moment based on who they've got in the next run of games to really get those scores and really build up some cash if you're not planning to, to hold on to them, especially if they are of that cheaper price. But in terms of Charlie Kerno, he's he's the main man for Carlton. They want him kicking the goals. They want the ball in his hand in the forward line. Even though he does have that up and down scoring, is he about as safe as they come for a top eight to 10 finishing position in a forward, in Supercoach? I mean, no one really complained when Tom Hawkins was doing it. So... Why? Why can't Charlie? You know, it's it's easy for for forwards who are on top of their game, and he's young, right? Like, it's not like he's come out of nowhere to do this. It's like you know, he's been building for a couple of years, and got you know got a Coleman under his belt last year as well to go with that. So if he's kicking bags of ten, that's that's something that you want in your side, right? And you take the they take the roller coaster. It is. It's a roller coaster. So very 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 quickly, just on on Kerno. Damo mentioned it before, the highs and lows, so 47, 58, 62, Perry 63s, but then 186, 178, 137, and 130. But very important to note there, those two really big games both came against West Coast. So season average is 97.6. You take those two West Coast games out. I know it's easy to just take a couple of games out. That average goes below 90. So only plays West Coast once this year. Uh, just, just interesting to note that those two monsters – we're against a, a pretty lowly uh, West Coast side. But you can only play against who you came up against, and uh, he absolutely dominated in those two games, and they're the games where you want him. Some some other names to chat about. Caleb Daniel has also got forward mid eligibility. I, I know people will jump on him, but if you're going to pick a Bulldog, find another 40K and get Jack McRae. I think Caleb Daniel's a bit too far gone now in his role. Um, Dylan Moore at the the Hawks. Um, he finished with a 91 average, but that was because of a great end to the season. He wasn't great early, early on. Who knows what role he has um, to start the season. I think his average went up around the time Chad Wingard got injured. So, who, so he's, he's probably got that role while Chad Wingard's out again, but who knows what happens when um, he returns and, with Jack Genevan now at the at the club, who who knows where Dylan Moore sits? 
Yeah, with Moore, he's he's one of those blokes that uh, he he plays well in his role, and that's as a forward. And as you said, uh, great end to the season, 90, 92, 88, 91. So talk about consistency, the 117, 120, 90, and the 102. But uh, look, I just think there are other options. And look, with Daniel, he actually peaked at 635K, went 144, 169 in a bit of a mad run, but then he like fell off a cliff, only 100 plus score in his last nine games. So that's just not good enough. And uh, we don't really know what his role is going to be from week to week. So that sort of scares me off him a little bit there, particularly at the price. I agree. Sorry, you guys wrapped it up really nicely on those two. So <laughs> didn't feel like I need to add anything. So someone in your team reveal um, DR was Dev Robertson at 253K. So he averaged 45.4 but had five sub-affected games. And his average would actually be influenced by a zero and a minus one from two sub-affected games where he was inserted into the game late. He's got clear value and probably steps into that Will Ashcroft role while Will Ashcroft is unavailable. There's a lot of meat on the bone here. A lot of meat on the bone. Remember, West Coast were coming pretty hard at Dev. He decided to stay, and this is in, in his own words, he decided to stay to try to try to win a premiership. But with Ashy out, more opportunity presents. And the beauty is we can see what his role is going to be in round one for absolutely free. So if he's stuck on, on a wing somewhere on a half forward role, we can probably stay away from him. But if he's getting a bit of that midfield time, I think he could be a super selection. No, Jared Lyons, I think the game's sort of getting past him. And he's been a, a champion of the past for Brisbane as well. But uh, for now, I think that he's a pretty decent placeholder at the price. You can always get that 50K more, move him up to someone, another mid-pricer, or save 150-odd K and go down to one of those 123K blokes. So I think a really nice placeholder for now. Got talent to burn. I don't think he's ever going to be one of these uber primo type picks, but there's opportunity there. I think that he steps into our best 22 week upon week, um, but just a big watch in round one, I think, for me. And yep. another player at Brisbane, will he, won't he, almost every year, Zach Bailey. There was a few years ago where we thought he could make the next step, but he's just kind of staying on the same level now, averaging that high 70s, low 80s. Is there ever going to be a time where he becomes a real super coach option? Oh, I don't think so, mate, because he's so good at the role that he plays. You know, he needs to really transition to a midfield role, I think, to score well and to score consistently. But if you look back to last year, I think it was only two scores that were 100 plus, And we just can't. We can't live with that in our super coach sides. And uh, super exciting player, real X factor. And when he's on, he's absolutely on. Can kick an ice bag for us. But I think as a super coach selection, I think we just stay away from him. Look, and even if he comes out round one and kicks a bag of three, gets a 120-plus score, I wouldn't be sucked into that because we need some history of consistency to be able to select him even at this price. And it's just not there. It's just not there. I'm happy to jump on if he proves me wrong and just comes out and goes bang for the first six weeks or whatever. But until I actually see it, I'm not going there, mate, as much as I love him. Yeah, I think that it's it's kind of the um, the reverse of what we're saying about Charlie Kerno, right? Where we know what conditions he needs to succeed. 
And Zach Bailey doesn't really seem to have that. Some weeks he's just he's just better. You know, <laughs> it's it's really true, and it's yeah. really it's really easy to see where you're like, okay, talented, but you you can't really predict it because there's so many talented pieces in that Brisbane forward line as well. So he's a very important cog in that, but will not always get his share of the pie. And some cheaper guys to have a look at. Finlay McRae is 152K. Brandon Ryan um, is 152K as well. Came over to Brisbane. Just a quick word on him, DR. Does he have a place in your 22 or not? Look, not really for me. So the, the base of the straight swap and a couple of picks, however it went, was Gunston for Brandon Ryan. But I think that our forward line actually functions better when we're a little bit smaller without Gunston in the side. So unless they look to change things up, I'm not too sure. I think we'll start with a smaller type forward line. So for me, he's purely depth for now. But as I say with all the Brisbane players, if, if form's good enough in the twos for some reason and one of our big men go down, then he could certainly look to come in. We've lost Tom Fullerton. There's some of that big man depth in the off-season to Melbourne. So, uh, look, there could be a stage where he comes into the side, but I just don't see him as a starter for 2024. And Sam Darcy at the Western Bulldogs is 123K. And Ashton Moyer was drafted by Carlton. And I know Carlton fans really think that he could potentially have a spot in their 22 because they love adding to their forward half. He's 117K as well. DR, thanks for helping us unpack the players from these teams. Where can people find you and what do you have in store for us this preseason? Oh, thank you very much for having me, lads. Always a, uh, a pleasure speaking to you blokes. And one thing, um, just to give you, you boys a big wrap up here, um, you know, you're the blokes that actually really started to get the channel going, you know, uh, introduced me to old Peyton from the Herald Sun. Things start to sort of really go off after that. So I'll never forget that, boys. Never forget your roots and uh, the people that have helped you. So uh, you are two absolute legends. And uh, any time I can come on and chat with you is an absolute pleasure. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, Twitter uh, or X these days, it's at uh, supercoach underscore DR. Obviously, you've got the YouTube channel. And, uh, look, lots will be going on in the preseason, guys. We're getting the uh, Swordplay potty going again. We're getting on Spotify for the first time, which should be exciting. Get the stock market videos, a few team previews. Uh, hopefully, you both of you guys can join me for a couple of those in Melbourne and possibly the Freo ones. That would be uh, fantastic. But uh, yeah, apart from that, mate, been playing a bit of BBL, a bit of NBL Supercoach. I know you've been dabbling yourself a little bit there, Damo. So I'll continue to do that. But uh, yeah, super pumped for another big year. And uh, yeah, couldn't be uh, happier to join you legends again. You're always welcome. You let us know when you want to come on. Don't make us chase you. <laughs> Oh, every week, mate. Yeah, have me on every week, mate. <laughs> Sounds good. And, and Clarky, where would I be without you? Thank you for joining me again for another season. It's it's good to be back. It's it's so hard to think about Supercoach and you think, oh, God, it's December. But in reality, it's only three months. You know, it's pretty much three months. We're past Christmas now. <laughs> Holy shit. So true. <laughs> Time flies. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but the important thing is, Damo, that we survived. Footy mailbag is back, baby. And listeners, this preseason, remember to banter respectively. You have been listening to Footy Mailbag, and we'll chat next time.